Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Car Stories podcast. Your host, James McKeon. And here I am in the wonderful Serial One Honda 600 with a curator here at the Peterson Automotive Museum, Leslie Kendall. This is so interesting for me to be able to drive it uh, with, with somebody who's really interested in it because it means so much to the Japanese industry and to the Japanese market. Yeah. Um, it's This is serial number one. And I don't mean this, you know, the first one. No, it is serial number zero zero it zero, zero zero zero. Yeah, it's about six. about eleven zeros and then a one. And then one. And it's, it's incredibly interesting because this is where Honda began in America. Yep. They made this in 1967, uh, but it took until 1969 for them to uh, bring in 50 to America. They proved so unsuitable to American roads that they said, "Well, let's forget that for a while." Uh, and then they, they took all of them back, or they, they said that all of them should be destroyed. Well, three or four, you know, uh, estimates vary, three or four didn't make it. Yep. Uh, they, were, they were retained, as sometimes cars are. And uh, they found their way into uh, hands of a collectors. And this one was owned by uh, Tom Mings, who, who didn't know what he was buying when he bought it, but you know when you start digging into it, you, know, you kind of look in the, you start figuring out what it is you have. You know, sure. you, 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 you're looking at the serial number. You thought, oh my God, this is serial number one. This is uh, this is pretty important. This yeah. is something significant. This one, you know, you have to do this one right. And when you're doing such an early car, I, I don't I don't envy him at all for having had to to. Um, expend the time and time and energy that he obviously had to spend on this car. Because the first of anything, you're going to have a lot of detailed differences in the components and how sure. things fit and how things operate. And it's it's really not a very um, sophisticatedly engineered car. Yeah, it's, it's, I mean, they don't have too many mod cons in this car, let's be honest. No, let's, yeah, let's do be honest. <laughs> We're talking about a two-cylinder, although a four-stroke, air-cooled, no fan, so it's, the, it's kind of a good thing if you can keep going. Yes. Uh, not sure how this would hold up in traffic, but my hunch is it would probably be okay. Yep. I don't think 600cc is going to generate that much heat. But speaking of that, Leslie, I was wanting to ask you about how you managed to come to get your role with the actual the Peterson Museum. How did that come about? Um, it, it came about to my parents' great distress that uh, I was the only student truly in kindergarten who knew what a Bugatti was. Yep. And it seemed to be a fait accompli. Every report I ever did had something to do with a car. I see. Uh, and then I ended up somehow getting an MBA and was a mortgage loan officer for years and years. And I just that was just not a very satisfying uh, line of work. And so I quit one day and I went to the San Diego Automotive Museum. I volunteered and um, ended up ended up as the uh, uh, tour guide and ended up as the curator sure. after about six months. And then one thing led to another. I did a consultation for the Peterson. And uh, then I was hired by the I Peterson. See. So I've been here for almost 25 years. And it's been a... It's surely an enjoyable 25 years, and nothing has changed, obviously, it, in those 25 nothing, years. So nothing ever changes. It's, everything is just, it's just static. We're passing a Honda Civic 
the modern Honda Civic, which is made with about twice the raw materials of this and one. And is twice the size. And is at least twice the size of this. And it, it looms as such a big car when you're comparing it to this. It does. A Volkswagen Bug in the day would have been a big car compared to this. A Mini would have been a big car. A this. Mini would have been a big car. And a Mini, funnily enough, they might give it away in the name, is not particularly a large car. And no, it's not. People think that the Minis today, well, that's about as big as they were. The earliest Minis, when they were introduced in the late 50s, were very, very small cars. Today, they just they just bear a passing resemblance. Yes. A, a, an identifiable, but still passing resemblance. Yes. Now, interesting, you know, when you talk about heritage vehicles and you talk about um, retro cars, they're making this again. They are? Uh, in, in, in Japan. I was, last time I was in Japan, uh, I was at a stop sign and I saw them a kind of a retro modern version of one of these cars. And I'm sure it's going to be the, uh, the K class of cars. Yep, I, I have no doubt. But, um, so yeah, so obviously the renaissance of these cars, and, and I will say that people do like seeing you when we're driving around this car. They like seeing the sides, but it's so quaint. Yeah, and you I, know, this car gets noticed. I. I and, and I don't mean just looked at, because there's a big difference between being noticed and being looked at. Yeah. I've driven plenty of cars that exemplify that difference. Yeah. But this one gets noticed. People look at this and they know it's important. They know it's rare. They know it's clever. But they'll, they don't really know about it, which is the reason that the Peterson Automotive Museum exists. We're out there to help tell people why you should be interested in this kind of car that this car is important. You know, this car started the whole Honda automobile legacy in America. Yep. This very car, serial number one, the, the very car that we're in. Yeah. And, I mean, that legacy, admittedly, obviously, this is why we talk about it being a uh, a small engine car, but it, it is, like we've said, happy and fun, and it fits in with what Honda are making now in regards to the vehicles they're doing and what really the direction of the automotive world is going. Yeah, yeah, it's, you know, it's a very rational car, and there's no reason, rational doesn't have to be cheap, yep. or it doesn't have to mean cheap, it doesn't have to mean um, low quality. It, it, can, it Rational can be fun. I mean, Ferdinand Porsche was a very rational guy, and look what he came up with. I mean, fascinating stuff. So, speaking of the museum itself, Leslie, what is, and Obviously, there's a very variation of cars that we have in the museum. What is, say, one or two of your favorite cars that we have in the museum and that you're really happy to secure? If I were to tell you what my favorite cars were, I'd have to pick a different one every couple of minutes. Because, That's not me. Because I have these, I don't know, I don't know what you'd call it, but I have these kind of like serial obsessions. Like right now, I'm absolutely obsessed with Japanese cars because we're going to present an exhibition on Japanese cars beginning in April. Yep. And we're going to have some of the rare stuff that led up to this car. And this car, this very car, is going to be in that exhibition. So what are some of those cars that you've been chasing down for that new exhibition coming in April? Well, one of the things that I think it's important for people to understand is Japanese had a vibrant vibrant auto industry before World War II. Yep. Even during World War II, they made you know electric cars because of the petroleum shortages. Sure. It was not unusual to have a Japanese electric. Um, when, it, for people that don't know, and I wasn't aware of this, when did really the Japanese automobile industry sort of kick off? When did it begin? Well, it depends on how you, it depends on how you define the Japanese automotive industry. 
but the first automobile to be a series produced was the Takuri, which was 1917. Okay. A very a car, a car that you wouldn't um, necessarily expect Japan would make. It was a large car. Okay. Kind of a luxurious vehicle because if you could afford a car in 1917, you have to be a little bit wealthy. You could probably afford something like that. Later on, the prices of cars started to come down. Uh, and then gasoline started becoming a little bit more available and people in the lower income brackets decided they wanted cars. So that's when they turned to small cars. Sure. And we hope to have one of the very earliest uh, series produced small cars, the Otomo, uh, in the exhibition. We're now, now uh, negotiating with the museum. And so when you go about, what's the process that would happen, for example, if you could talk us through a little bit, tell the listeners I'm not aware of this, what's the stage of an exhibition goes through? How does it come from an inception or an idea to then getting put into practice? And what's the sort of time frame we're looking at there for well, that to go through? Well, what's a, what we do, the very first thing we do is try to determine what's important to people. Yep. What do people want to see? What do people want to learn about? You know, and... You know, we've done so many unusual things. You know, we did we did a, an exhibit on travel trailers mm -hmm. and motor camping. You know, and a lot of people thought, well, who cares about that? But then when you think, wait a minute, yeah. no, a lot of people first saw Los Angeles dragging behind them a trailer, certainly, or some other kind of camping gear. Um, but we want to talk about Japanese cars now because you have to admit they're coming into their own. Yes. It's not unusual to go to a Japanese car meet and see Japanese cars that are old enough to have grandchildren. Yep. This car next, uh, well, last year, this car was 50 years old. Two days ago, it was still 2017. This car was 50 years old. Mm -hmm. Although it didn't make it into America for another two years, but this car we're in is a 50-year-old Japanese car. And um, the very first car built in Japan was by the Yamaba, family that was in the uh, late 1800s. It was a steam power car. It probably didn't go very far and and not very long. But we have to we have to start somewhere. Certainly. And so what in the current uh, exhibitions coming up in April, what year are those cars going to be from Japan then? Well, we we're talking like 1917 to. Well, we, we unfortunately no Takuri is known to survive. I'd love oh. to have one. Uh, the only, we're, we're going to have a 1936 Toyota AA. Okay. Which is the very first Toyota, the very first year that Toyota ever made uh, a vehicle. And the AA, it kind of looks like a, a Chrysler Airflow. Yep. Uh, and the engine is very Chevrolet in architecture. It's an overhead valve six. Uh, and some people say it's so Chevrolet, it, it could, the parts are interchangeable. Um, we may not get the only original surviving car, but we'll certainly get a replica. Toyota has a number of replicas, but we want to tell that story. We're not a museum of replicas, but if that's the only one you can get, I imagine it's possible still. way we can sure. get people to understand what these things look like, then we're going to do it. Yeah. Um, and that's why I want the Otomo, because if we can get the Otomo, that is the, the oldest surviving that we know of yep. uh, production. Japanese car and I always say if somebody knows of an older one tell me about it I want to hear about it you know I want to I want to learn 
Because, yeah, because obviously you're a very learned individual yourself, and if I ask questions, generally you have the answer for everything, which is nice. But sometimes you always, there's a few nuggets that slip out that you don't really forget, or you need to be pointed out these things. Yeah, yeah, I mean, there's no way we know everything. I know we don't know everything. Uh, and, you know, anybody that says we do, I think is, is flattering, but <laughs> probably, uh, probably not all that accurate. Yeah. So, I mean, we're out there learning. I love learning new things. Yep. I really do. I, I love finding out about cars I had no idea. I found online a picture of a Japanese car, electric car building, built during World War II. I had never seen that kind of car before until I picked up a Japanese book about um, historic Japanese cars, Japanese language book. And, and then I, I thumbing through it, I saw, wait a minute, that's a car I just got a picture of. Yep. Built in 1943. Well, gee, how many, <laughs> who would have known, you know, yep. so. And then, so when did you first start thinking about the, the Japanese exhibit, for example? When is that? I had been thinking about this exhibit for 15 years. Okay, so some, maybe some time then. Yeah, when I, when I start conceiving an exhibit, when I open a file immediately, and everything I find on it, I put in that file. Okay. You know, and I, and I try to try to get hard copies of things, you know, especially the original brochures and whatnot. Sure. Uh, you know, in any picture I could find, any brochure, any, any, any manual I can find, it's helpful. Yes. So, you know, it all, it all helps to round out the historical record. That's, that's, that's what we're there to do. And, you know, the exhibit took, it took, to do this exhibit took a little bit of convincing. Because we're, do, we're doing it in the Bruce Meyer Gallery. Yep which uh, up to now has been known for Ferraris and Bugattis and will soon become now known for Japanese cars. Yep. But when you think of a gallery like that, you think of the kind of presentation that the cars are gonna get in that gallery, they really have to be the nicest of their type. Of course. So we've, we've developed a, a, a friendship with the Toyota Automobile Museum in Japan. Yep. And we're, we're hoping, we're actually expecting that they're going to loan us a, at least a couple of important cars. Which would be fantastic. That we, there's no way we would be able to get otherwise. Absolutely no way. So, so we're, we're, we're hopeful because we're a museum, they're a museum, they understand what it's like, what you need to tell the story. And so will those cars be coming from the, what was the facility they had here in Torrance, but it's now in Plano? or would they be coming from uh, Japan itself? Uh, they would be coming from Japan. The cars that are in, uh, in America, uh, formerly Torrance, but now Plano, um, are mostly, the, I think the newest, but they probably, I think they have a Honda 600. Yes. But uh, nothing before that. Oh, okay. Not that, not in terms of Hondas, there was anything before that, but, yep. um, uh, uh, from me, Toyotas, they have, dating back to 1958. Uh, yeah, Toyota Toyopat. Sure. Which was frankly a lot of car for the money. Yep. But but again, it's you know it's kind of a shame that those were the days when people just kind of disregarded Japanese goods. Sure. Because I... they did they did not re regard Japanese goods as quality uh, merchandise, mm -hmm. which initially was absolutely true. Yep. You know, it was it was just the antithesis of everything Americans expected. 
And when you when you think about this car, you have to put this car in context. You have to put it in context with the American market. Picture this, because these were imported in 69. Yep. Picture, picture a 69 Falcon, Ford yes. Falcon. It's a little bit different. A 69 Chevrolet. Those are cars that even the smallest of them had gigantic, by Japanese standards, six-cylinder engines, air-cooled, yep. plush upholstery. Yep. It was like driving around in a so uh, on a sofa. Uh huh. And in Japan, it's a totally different paradigm. You had a totally different set of circumstances. But again, it's you know, and this was noisy. This is no, noisy. this car's not noisy. This is, it's Come like on. it's like being. <laughs> like a swarm of angry bees when you try to live that brat it, lifestyle it's, early. It's, it's very buzzy. It's very, very buzzy. I think some of that has to do with the choke. Uh, but you know you know what happens with a car soon as your warranty's up. Yeah. And I mean, this is just a little bit out of warranty? Just a little out of warranty. <laughs> just a little. That's one of those ones that you can take it to the dealer and like, oh, I just ran out in the last 12 days ago. And you're like, oh. Yeah, yeah. Gee, you really, don't, really didn't mean me to do that. I mean, these cars, it's, what's surprising is that more of these cars survive than the earliest Honda Civics. Yep. Because people think that, you know, Honda Civic, whatever, the bazillion of those, there must still be. And they're really not. People didn't consider them worth saving. They just didn't. And the Honda 600s were so unusual. Yep. And they were so small that they really didn't take up much room. It's like, so why don't I just save it? Who cares? You know, maybe I will hang on to it for now and sure and stick it somewhere maybe i'll get around to restoring it maybe not but even if i don't it doesn't take up much space now i've got another question for you leslie so you obviously get to drive some of the cars at the museum which are some of the ones that the more enjoyable cars that you've had to drive well that's a really good question it depends on the circumstances yeah and how you define enjoyment um when i'm in la traffic there are a lot of cars that are just plain not enjoyable. Sure. Uh, a lot of cars overheat in LA traffic. They're just meant they're meant for the open road. Yep. If I took our Steam McQueen XKSS out, uh, I think that'd be problematic. That car's, you know, that car's it's it's like hooking up an ox cart to a thoroughbred horse. So when you're not obviously in LA traffic, which have been some of the enjoyable drives you've had the pleasure of going on then? Um, I mean, honestly, it sounds cliche, but a Model J Duesenberg yes. is one of the nicest, nicest cars to drive. It's creamy smooth. Yep. Creamy smooth because you have to know that every, everything between your hands and the road is running in ball or roller bearings. Okay. It's so easy to drive. And, and even if you're going one or two miles an hour, you can steer it with one finger. Yep. It's really, really easy. And it's rewarding. Sure. to drive too. I mean, you feel like you're a much better driver than you actually are. I so see. it kind of uh, it kind of helps bolster your confidence. But it's a car she can lift her skirts and run with any other car on the freeway. Really? Yes. I've, I've driven. I've, when you're uh, not in LA traffic, obviously. When I well, when I'm on the freeway. Yep. Uh, you know, on those again, Sundays at three o'clock. There you go. On a Sunday morning. It wasn't three a.m., but it was six a.m. Sure. So it was light. Yep. You know, you get out on the you get out on the freeway, and uh, you know you can. I'm not going to say explore the limits, but you can go freeway speeds sure. that you 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 wouldn't expect to be able to attain. Yep. With other uh, other vehicles. I do like the way next to a Honda right now. I love that. It's you know it's hard not being in LA and next and 
It's hard being in LA and not being next to a Honda. Yeah. And there's one in front of that. Toyota in front of us, a Toyota to the left of us and back. Mm -hmm. You know, people in Japan, they did not give up. A lot of people said, oh, forget it with the American market. It's just it's too much trouble. Yeah. Those guys in their bumpers and their, and their uh, traffic regulations and their fuel economy restrictions. We're not doing too bad. We're doing okay. We're doing okay. This car, this car get, get this car will get you down the road on a couple of gallons of gas. You probably probably make it to San Diego. Probably. I was going to say, what's the mile per gallon on this thing? Yeah, uh, miles per gallon. I'd say 50 to 60, something like that. But keep, keep in mind, it's 0.6 of a liter. Sure. It's not even a whole liter. Yeah. I, I mean, mean, we're talking like a pint of milk size engine almost. Yeah. Yeah. As a matter of fact. But, uh, no, I mean, it's not just uh, miles per gallon, as I like to call it, smiles per gallon. It's smiles per gallon, yeah. Because it is so much fun. But, Leslie, it was a pleasure having you on today. Well, it's always my pleasure driving around with a great enthusiast, somebody who appreciates automobiles, somebody that can appreciate uh, a Honda as much as they can a Ferrari, understanding that they both have incredibly important places in our automotive landscape, especially in the automotive landscape of Los Angeles. Well, thank you so much, Leslie, and thank you so much, everyone, for listening. Well, thank, thank you so much. Again, every I want to invite everybody to the Peterson Museum. I want to invite everybody to join the Peterson Museum. Again, keep you know we'll keep you posted on what we're doing. Perfect. Thank you so much, and see you next time. See you next time.